Oregon football has their latest verbal commitment in the class of 2023. Breaking down four-star wide receiver Ashton Cozart. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view if you're watching on YouTube every day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every weekday. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show right now because that's how you can stay up to date with all the latest breaking news that I've got you covered with. And the most recent one is the next verbal commitment for the Ducks in the class of 2023, it's another pass catcher. We do not know who potentially these pass catchers, Ashton Cozart, the most recent one, along with Jurion Dickey. We don't know who they could be catching passes from one day in the future. We don't know that yet. Dante Moore, Jaden Rashada still out there. Commitments coming later, but that's something we will uh, continue to monitor pretty closely here on the show. And that is, of course, to be expected. But Let's get to Cozart, who is a pretty talented guy. And the big thing with him is that we flipped him from Oklahoma, which I'll get to in a sec. But he's in the class of 2023, joins Jurion Dickey as next year's class of wideouts so far. You know, these are verbal, verbal commitments, not signed letters of intent. Technically, he could uh, he could go back. But uh, but first, just a little bit of, uh, of background. He's six two and a half, 181 pounds. He's from Flower Mound, Texas. I think that's the name of his high school or the city where he was, but he needs to put on some weight. <laughs> he, he needs to put on some weight. The good news is he's got time. The other good piece of news is that once you get to college and you get on campus, the opportunity to bulk up is always present. It's always there, not just because you're in the weight room with a professional strength and conditioning coach, not just because you're on college, a, a college campus and you have access to plenty of food and such. But the combination of those things is constantly reinforced by a coaching staff and a training staff that understand when it's in a player's best interest to put on some weight. And six, two and a half, that's a great frame. He's got good hands, good speed, good run after the catch guy. When you look at his highlight reel, but he definitely... Definitely needs to put on some pounds. His uh, scouting report is as follows, according to 24-7. Tall, long, and lean with somewhat narrow build, but space to add mass. Yes, most definitely. Big catch radius and physical tools to win contested throws. I'm sure that excites Kenny Dillingham. He's talked a lot about wanting to create one-on-one situations on offense. Displays impressive long speed with runaway top end in the vertical passing game sometimes shows easy downfield speed generally a hands catcher who can snag throws away from frame including targets in traffic he ran several 100 meter times of 11.15 or faster as a sophomore including a 10.74 and a 10.96 in his high school track career as well so get that always gives me Devin Allen vibes right every time I hear like oh so-and-so's track is a track star in addition to being a wide receiver. I think Devin Allen. And apparently, on the defensive side of the ball, we're going to think Jaleel Tucker. There's a great video out there of Jaleel Tucker running a college race, or, or sorry, running a high school track race. I think it was a 100-meter dash. Let me tell you, that wasn't a fair fight. <laughs> it was not, he is pulling away from everybody 
by by quite a bit. But that's what this guy is best at, you know, catching the deep ball, stretching the field, has good hands. But, you know, you know when I watch him, actually, someone he reminds me a lot of is someone who Duck fans hope is going to pop this year. And that's Troy Franklin. And when you watch Franklin play, one thing he's done well during his his brief time in Oregon so far, and I hope he gets the chance to show what he can do, because I think, you know, short and intermediate intermediate routes, I think Troy Franklin can be really, really good. Really highly rated receiver coming out of high school, by the way. I think his composite rating on 24-7 was in like the, the .98 range. And, and Cozart, pretty sought after, well sought after recruit, is in the .93 range, which is, you know, a solidly rated four-star whatnot. But Franklin, you know, they, they thought out a lot of potential. I think he's, uh, he's certainly shown that during his time in Eugene so far. But I think that's the guy he reminds me of the most just because, you know, he, he would kind of fit into that category of being one of the skinnies, right? Is he, he needs to to add a few pounds here to to bulk up. But, you know, I saw him on, on his highlight reel catch a screen pass and turn it up field. And the way he was weaving through traffic, I just looked at it and thought, kind of looks like Troy Franklin. And Troy Franklin coming out of high school as a highly rated four star was six foot two. And it was less than 200 pounds. Like he's bulked up a little bit, but I think a lot of similarities there. You look at their bodies, they're very similar. I think he's different from Dickey, who, you know, definitely has, has some top end speed and could certainly be a run after the catch guy. But I think Dickey's a little bit more of a 50 50 ball sort of player. He's a little bit more physical. I think he's a little bit more built as well. I think Jurion Dickey reminds me a little bit of a Darren Carrington, right? Whereas I think a great comp for Cozart is is Troy Franklin, which was a really good one. But, you know, his scouting profile got plenty of good stuff in there. And he, he had a great quote on the staff as well. He said, quote, the Dan Lanning era and staff is special and it can't be explained. Always love hearing that sort of stuff from recruits. Can't be explained. Well, you, I mean, you could try to explain it. But if you get, if that's the way they feel about it, you know what? I'm on board with it. That's, that's all right with me, like Elton John said. That's all right. Uh, I think he said that in a song somewhere. Anyway, huge Elton John fan. So Junior Adams has done it again. I, I mean, this guy's off to a great start. He and Carlos Lachlan right now, I think are having sort of a, an unofficial running gun battle for which guy's off to the hottest start on the recruiting trail as an assistant coach on Dan Lanning's staff. And they've got a pretty impressive resume right now, the both of them. When you factor in both the high school players they've brought in and also the transfers, right? Lachlan on the recruiting trail has gotten Jordan James. Then via the portal, you got Bucky Irving from Minnesota. You've got Noah Whittington from Western Kentucky. And then you have uh, Dante Dowdell in the class of 2023 as well. So the offensive side of the ball is starting to to shape up and fill out in uh, in next year's recruiting class, which will be the first full cycle under Dan Lanning and this staff. But He's got some wins there. But then you look at Junior Adams, right? He's got Jerry on Dickey. And he's got Kyler Casper, who's going to be on campus this fall because he reclassified to the class of 2022. So originally, this would have been a, a tandem, right? You would have had all three of these guys together. But Casper has decided to reclassify and start his college career a season sooner. And so you got those guys, Dickey and Casper. And, and then you add Cozart into the mix. You factor in that he's brought in Chase Cota in the wide receiver room, which I thought was a, a great addition and a very logical one who projects to be a productive player. I think there's a, a positive recruiting ramification here as well for the Ducks, which I'll tell you about after I tell you first and foremost that I love brownies. I mean, every time 
we go to my family cabin each year in Southern Oregon. My mom makes brownies at least once. It's the only time she does or else we just eat them all because you know what you always want to eat is the brownie batter. Well, if you wanted to eat brownie batter off a spatula and get some protein, you're in luck. Built has a new creation and this one is better than ever. The brownie batter puff. You heard me right. It's a brownie batter puff. The puff takes protein bars to a whole new level. They are light pillowy cushions of sweet marshmallow protein goodness and they're available right now on built.com you can get your brown brownie butter brownie batter puffs now that was a mouthful but i would like to have a mouthful of them at some point in time and you can do that as well if you go to built.com use promo 15 get 15 percent off your order that's promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off at built.com So from a recruiting trail perspective here with with Ashton Cozart, he's a guy who comes from the state of Texas and and Oregon actually flipped him from Oklahoma. He had been verbally committed there. And, you know, I I mentioned briefly earlier in the episode that, well, you know, he could technically go somewhere else, which is very true, right? These are all verbal commitments the Ducks are getting from guys like Dowdell and and Jurion Dickey and Ashton Cozart as well. Cole Martin's in the class of, uh, 2023, there's a defensive lineman whose name I will just butcher, but, you know, big guy in the state of Utah. I think that when you look at these guys right now, you, you have to keep in mind that there may be one or two that we talk about here on the show that eight months from now might decide to go elsewhere. It, it's just something that that is a reality. It happens all the time because, as we see, Oklahoma just had it here. And by the way, this is a little bit of revenge because Oklahoma flipped uh, an Oregon commit in the class of 2022. Might have been 23, not that long ago. But so we kind of, you know, got them back on the trail, so to speak. Not that we have a huge rivalry there uh, or it wipes away the memory of the Alamo Bowl and whatever that was and such. But, hey, we'll always have 2005, I think it was. Um, what a game. What a game. What a, what what an officiating crew we had, we had that day. Um, pretty fun so once again we see the staff going toe-to-toe with with a big blue blood in college football which is i just think what we should expect i, I just think that w- when you look at the quality recruiters that you have the the targets that they're going after on the recruiting trail the uh, the depth of states that they're going into which i'm going to talk about in a moment these are the sorts of, of battles that we should just expect them to be in. I think the, the previous administration raised the profile to a level it hadn't been before. And this staff is clearly intent on keeping it there. And I think that's a really good thing because I want them to recruit a high level and no recruiting doesn't do everything for you, but boy, it does a lot because as we saw, as we saw over the last couple of seasons, crystal ball schematically might be a little bit limited as a coach, but if you just have better players on the field, sometimes that's good enough to win, especially in a conference in the Pac-12 where you don't have a lot of schools recruiting at a high level. Now, Arizona and Stanford have had some good classes, but it's going to take them a while to you know, be at the same level as, from a roster perspective as Oregon because they had you know one really good high school recruiting class. You got to do it time and time again, and USC is going to start to get there. But again, Oregon, in a significant way over the last four years or so, has has been dominating the conference writ large because they've been dominating on the recruiting trail. So they just have better players. You know, other defense don't have a, defenses don't have a Kayvon Thibodeau or Noah Sewell back there or Javon Holland or Verone McKinley, right? Like they, they don't have 
that 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 caliber of player up and down the roster. They might have a couple here and there, but when you just have more talent, it's going to win out in football. You know, it, it's not like St. Peter's in basketball where you can pull an upset one time or another. I mean, upsets happen in college football. I'm not saying that, but just generally speaking, it's a lot harder to win if you have a talent deficiency in football than it is in basketball. I think that's that's pretty clear. So flipping a guy from Oklahoma is great. And it, it shows that, you know, th- this is an Oregon staff that wants to recruit everywhere because this guy is from the state of Texas. And, and he chose Oregon over Oklahoma, Texas, Tennessee, and Alabama. He's from the state of Texas originally. Oregon, just so you have an idea, Tennessee finished uh, fourth. This is according to on3.com. Tennessee finished fourth along with Texas and Alabama, less than 1%, which are uh, Tennessee was 777 miles from where he grew up. Alabama was 550. Texas, 194, literally in the state. Oklahoma was a little bit closer, 152. Oregon, 1,587. So literally more than double the distance that he would have had, he would have had to travel to go to any of those schools. He bypassed all of that to go to the Ducks. So Oregon was a real outsider in this guy's recruitment, and still the staff was able to flip him, which is a really, really good sign. And going all the way to the state of Texas is something else that Oregon is going to have to be able to do if they're going to recruit at a high level, right? You think about where the states or where the players tend to come from with regards to the states that they're originally from and the high schools that produce the most talent. You're looking at California, which Oregon has dominated as of late and is going to get a lot tougher because Lincoln Riley's down there at USC. You're looking at Texas has got a bunch of great players as well. You're looking at Florida. And I think Florida is something that, you know, Willie Taggart, Mario Cristobal got into pretty well. This staff doesn't have as many ties down there. So if that element of Oregon's elevated recruiting profile from the last few years is going to, you know, stay at that level, they have to kind of pick up another state or another region. I think Texas is certainly possible. You know, Dan Lanning has ties to the SEC and Tosh Lupoy has ties down south and Matt Pallage comes over from Baylor. He's got ties down there. And Junior Adams is just a good recruiter writ large. And Oregon is going to be the school oftentimes in these sorts of battles where they're coming in and they're coming from way far away and they're the outsider. But sometimes that's an advantage. Sometimes that's something that allows you to differentiate yourself to a recruit when you're sitting down and and talking to his house about the vision that you have up at Oregon. Right. Maybe Alabama or maybe Oklahoma and Texas feel a little bit similar to them. They're both really close to home. They're both in the Big 12. They have a big rivalry. Like there are a lot of similarities there, but. If he's looking for something a little different than Oregon, probably is able to make that pitch. I've talked about that here on the show, and I think that it's something that might very well have come into play here. I mean, you just look at those distances traveled. I will say them again. Texas, 194 miles. Oklahoma, 152 miles from home. Oregon, 1,587. That's a long, long way. You have to be able to really sell the program and also you know, be a, a well-known brand enough in college football, well-established brand to be able to make that pitch to a player like this of his caliber. I, I think that that is a really impressive thing for the staff and uh, junior Adams, man, he's, he, he's just done it again. And so getting into the, the Texas realm and, and getting into the kids that, that are coming out of the Lone Star state, I think is really important if the staff wants to continue recruiting at a high level and, you know, getting them over, over Oklahoma, 
over Texas, Tennessee, Alabama. Those those are big, big time schools. Tennessee hasn't been right, but the other three have been big time recruiting powers and Texas hasn't had it on the field, but they've had it off the field. They've definitely brought in a bunch of big time players. I believe Xavier Worthy was a, a one time Oregon verbal commit who ended up going to Texas and looked like a stud as a freshman. So the, there's been no shortage of talented players that have gone to the Longhorns in the last couple of years, even as they have struggled to, to compete at a high level. So I, I think the way that the staff is approaching recruiting is off to a really, really good start. And, you know, he, he said that, you know, I'm not taking DMs anymore. Sorry, I forgot to finish this thought earlier. But anyway, he said, like, I'm not taking DMs anymore. My recruitment's done. I'm committed to Oregon, yada, yada, yada. Look, IOB stays committed to the Ducks. I, I think he will. I don't think you would say that unless you you really were committed to that particular school. But guys reopen their recruitment all, all the time. It's it, it's pretty common. I'm not saying I have an inclination that, that he's going to. I don't want you to get worried like, oh, why are you talking about him? You know, if he's just going to flip and do this, and no, like, no, no, no. I'm just I'm just broadly speaking, when a guy says that, that, that he's fully committed 100% all in, like sometimes can be a little what you'd call coach speak maybe it's recruit speaker however however you want to phrase it but I, I think you get the idea and so uh I, i'm glad oregon's able to get him you know it's a talented player the sort you want to bring in but i think the geographical importance is uh it is not to be overlooked there it's mailbag time here on the show and a question uh about another school in texas and i'll get to that after i remind you this episode is brought to you by rock auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models it's impossible for your local chain auto parts star to stock all the parts you need save time and money when using rock auto it's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com all right so mailbag time and if you ever want a question answered by yours truly here on the show for all the world to hear i promise to always give you an insightful answer and anyone who's ever sent me a question has gotten an answer here on the show so that's like a 100 success rate you can tweet with the hashtag AskLODPod, or you can just DM me directly. At Smalls underscore 55 is my personal handle. At Locked on Ducks, which you should all be following, is the show handle on Twitter. You go into the DMs. You ask me a question about the Ducks or maybe about life. You know, we can, we could go into that. Maybe. You never know. Uh, sometimes I'm, I'm in that sort of mood. Sometimes I'm not. But anyway, you go in there. You ask me a question. You get answered here on the show. Fire up in there. Uh, a first-time question asker is uh, getting another one answered here. And this is from at Alex56Stewart. Good to talk to you again, Alex, indirectly, of course. But his question, quote, with, according to Nick Saban, Texas A&M buying up all the top players. This will be fun. Uh, whereas Alabama is preaching a more equal approach to doling out NIL money, how has Lanning and his staff approached the subject? Fascinating, fascinating question. So Alabama and equal and NIL, that's sketchy territory. And I mean, I mean, first of all, I just have to comment briefly. The feud between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher, as you can tell if you're watching on YouTube, I find to be pretty hilarious. Just the fact that those two guys are jarring at one another. I'm here for it, man. It is it is entertaining. 
it is fascinating. They are commenting very openly about the evolving landscape of college football. And when that Texas A&M-Alabama game hits, you don't think those recruits who, you know, it was kind of implied by Nick Saban that they were just bought illegally by Texas A&M, you don't think they're going to be a little bit more fired up? Sign me up for it, man. Sign me up. I got the popcorn ready. I'll sit on the couch and watch that stuff all day long. So I think that's... uh, I think that's that's overall pretty funny. But the fundamental question here is, you know, there's all the talk about about NIL and paying players and yada, yada, yada. And how how is Oregon approaching that? And for those of you who listen to the show regularly, I do often say yada, 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 because I'm a huge, huge Seinfeld fan. So I think generally speaking with NIL, Oregon is off to a, a pretty good start. And I know that Nico got a, a big deal to go to Tennessee reportedly. And it was a big NIL deal and it was all this money. I'm not that concerned about it because w- when you hear NIL and what that actually means, right? A player profiting from his name, image, and likeness. In what universe is Oregon not supremely well-equipped to allow student-athletes to capitalize on that? And they have set up a program at the school. I don't remember what it's called. It's like an impact. Por- I, no, I, that that's not right. Anyway. They have something at the school, and they were one of the first schools to roll it out nationally that allows students to explore their NIL opportunities once they are enrolled on campus. And so I look at something like that and just the way that NIL overall is being handled and the potential that it has and think about Uncle Phil and the association of Nike to Oregon. I think we should have pretty high expectations. Right to to be able to pitch that on the recruiting trail, not necessarily as the the sole factor is why you should come to school. I wouldn't want a guy who who would come to Oregon only because of NIL, but that should be a component that that you can offer to guys. Like this is an opportunity we have. If you become the sort of player we believe you're capable of, then these are the opportunities that that will then become avail- available to you financially. And I think Oregon so far is off to a good start. I, I haven't seen anything to indicate that they're, you know, falling way behind or that they're, you know, behind the times or that they're not keeping up or, or anything like that. And so I think so far they're off to a good start and they recognize that it's a part of college football, right? When, when you see the coaches talk about this sort of stuff, whenever they get asked, they recognize that it, it's an element that they have to be aware of, that they have to embrace or else, you know, if they don't, somebody else will. And Oregon is really well positioned to capitalize on it from a recruiting perspective because, as I was just talking about, with our ability as a staff, their ability, our ability, you know what I mean, to go into Texas and get this kid, Ashton Cozart, to flip from Oklahoma all the way to Oregon, go over 1,500 miles away from home, the national brand of Oregon is pretty darn strong. And so being able to sell that to kids on the recruiting trail as a pitch and an added factor as to why they should come to the school is something I think this staff is probably already doing. I'm not in those rooms. I'm not in those meetings, so I can't say for certain, but the early returns based on the information we've been given, I would say are pretty darn good. And I expect them to continue to be that because Oregon financially is well positioned to be able to capitalize on on those sorts of opportunities and use it as a recruiting pitch to players. Alex, I appreciate the question. Keep them coming, everybody. I would love to do a mailbag question every day here on the show. You send me as many questions as you want. I will answer 
them all. Thanks for making this your first listen. Go check me out on Locked On Pac-12, covering the Conference of Champions for your second listen review of the day. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks!